will entertain the audience. Hey, hello. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome. And welcome. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Last Ones in Podcast. I am your host, Drya Archuleta, and with me today we have E hello. and Robbie. You have a long breath today. Yeah, and from a few hours away, joining us via the internet, <laughs> Sam. Hey, it's like an hour or something. Though. Like an hour and a half, I know. It's not that far. <laughs> we could actually. watch a movie in that time. We can watch a movie in that amount of time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of watching movies, the movie that we will be watching and then talking about today is 2016's La La Land. Whoa. Yes. Our second musical, I believe. Is it only our second? Like, musical musical, I think. What constitutes a fake musical for you? No, I mean, like, isn't the this, like fully focused on being a musical rather than like there's a big story and also music i mean isn't that most musicals that's musicals <laughs> i don't know <laughs> uh, how many musicals have we done we did uh showman greatest showman right um does whiplash reaper madness is reaper madness a musical it is but we didn't watch the musical version we watched the original Oh. Um, okay, I was like, what do you mean? There was like no songs in that movie. What, what about the man that like played piano like crazy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the greatest showman. Yeah. So, Is, have we only done two musicals yeah. then? Weird. Sure. Apparently we need to do more musicals. I guess so. Okay. Um <laughs> anyway, we'll be watching La La Land. Um a movie that famously almost won an Oscar. Well, it, pro- it did win a bunch of Oscars, but almost won Film of the Year Oscar. It almost won the only Oscar that matters. Kind of, yeah. Isn't it where they, like, gave it to the wrong thing? They accidentally gave it to the production team of La La Land, but they didn't win. But everybody went yeah. on stage, and they're like, oh my god, like, uh, guys, we have to tell you we didn't win this award. Sorry. Uh, Moonlight did. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> have a good night. <laughs> and they just stayed there for the rest of the entire it was Oscars. like they, i mean that's the end of the oscars the credits roll anyway how you doing robbie <laughs> tired busy uh i'm in the middle of moving right now still kind well like yesterday was like whenever i actually got the u-haul and was able to like move a lot of the big stuff oh like actually get your stuff out yeah and so i want to say i'm like 90 to 95 percent moved out right now i just have like couple stragglers and have to clean up my old apartment now nice but yeah like even for the rats <laughs> <laughs> i could but they're gonna find any reason that they can to keep my and or keep my deposit anyway so i'm just gonna try not to leave them any reasons i mean they're gonna take it no matter what you may as well just fucking yeah. start writing on the wall <laughs> there's dicks on every wall let's take a big old piss in the middle of the carpet he doesn't have carpet. Yeah, it's oh. all hardwood floors. <laughs> <What are> you- <laughs> this sounds like the worst apartment. You don't even have carpet? No. It's all hardwood flooring. Uh, the walls are just completely white. I have the popcorn ceilings. It, it was bad. There's a reason I'm moving out. <laughs> but yeah, like, like I said, I'm like 95% done with that. It was just me and Jell moving all of my heavy-ass stuff out of my apartment yesterday. So This is the first time this has ever happened to me for getting a U-Haul, but they didn't give it to me for the day. They needed it back later on that day. And like, yeah. Like, they're like, we need it back by noon. I was like, I- I'm going to need it longer than that. Like, well, how about one? It can't take you that long to move. Like, just like, sure, I'll have it out by you one. should be like, you want to fucking help me then? <laughs> <laughs> I probably should have, because, like, 
I tried calling them saying I was going to need it for a little bit longer because they told me to call them in that case and they were not answering their phones. And so like an hour after I was supposed to have it back to them already, they called me like, hey, we're supposed to have it back. We have a reservation behind you. I tried calling you. Yeah. I, <laughs> there's five missed calls on my phone of me trying to call them. Cool. So yeah, there's that. And then didn't also help that like they tried to give me the worst actual storage place to put my stuff for right now. Was yesterday's, like, shit on Robbie Day? Yeah. It, it was a Murphy's Law Day, is the way that I'm putting it. <laughs> it's a nice way of me putting it. Okay. But besides that, uh, yeah. That's why I'm tired today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Different reason to be tired today. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. And you get to watch a movie that you know absolutely nothing about. Yeah. Well, I know it's White People Save Jazz in the South movie. Nope. E, how's <laughs> life right. going for you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I've been working on games a lot. Okay. Been having lots of fun with that. Uh, <laughs> Your eyes do not say fun. Yeah. This morning I woke up and then just made a game in like six hours to turn in or something. Oh. <laughs> it was just a typing game, but I had to figure out how to code a typing game. Huh. But you did it in six hours. Yeah. That's Fun's impressive. Up. I mean, it's not due till like tonight. But I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll just do it before I come. Nice. Uh, so, it, do you, like, type carrots out? No. <laughs> what? I don't know. I just imagine, like, carrots being thrown in a bunny, and you have to type, and then the bunny eats the carrot. Do you think everything I make is related to rabbits? <laughs> so, Sam, how's your... No, <laughs> <laughs> no um, it's, it's a skateboard game, so you got to type correctly to do cool tricks, or else you eat it. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Huh. You eat carrots? Then uh, playing games as I usually do, and I I watch stuff for once. Yeah, wow. Uh, I'm trying to get into the habit of if I'm not doing anything to be like, I guess I'll just watch something. (laughs) I guess I'll do a thing. Yeah, kind (laughs) of instead of just staring at a blank screen. I that's a good yeah. (laughs) That's way better. I don't know. (laughs) Do you not like to peer into the black mirror? No, because I see myself and I'm like, oh, oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah. um, that's mostly it, yeah. Some more live show material to talk about, I guess. Sweet. Alrighty, Sam, what's been going on with you? I really have not been doing much. Yesterday I went to the thrift store and I found a bunch of clothes to dye. So I dyed clothes last night. What color? Black. What do you think? What color Wait, you do you think? Dye? I was about to ask a dumb question. Never mind. Are you going to ask if you could dye clothing? <laughs> I was going like, to ask how if you can dye clothing black. <laughs> That's obviously. probably the easiest color to dye yeah, things. It's, it's, obviously, I'm wearing black, all black literally right now. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's wearing black today. <laughs> Like, I'm wearing the least amount of black, so I'm wearing, like, a very dark blue set of jeans. I haven't had coffee today. Okay? I just like this idea that, like, they were just like, fuck, we can't use this one specific color. We tried, we tried everything. We've only got, like, a really dark purple. That's what their store's good then, Sam. Yeah. Cool. Cool. That's um, I also have not been up to much. I took two weeks off the podcast, which is... Um, how dare how dare um, so this is our first one we recorded since the Star Wars one which to you guys is like oh it's a week but I, we took two weeks off uh, which is why that Bad Ben live thing happened that we did um, where me and Sam just talked about Bad Ben and it's prequel 
which we'll have to return to and do some format like that again at some yeah. point. Oh, I was going to I thought you meant you had to return to Bad Ben. I was going to be like, no, you, you really don't. Uh, well, we have to at least watch the next one, I think. <laughs> we got to finish the original. Bad Ben in space? No, it's just Bad Ben. We just the whole excuse. series. I need to know, like, what happens. Probably the Does same the Jersey Devil do more horrible sex crimes? Probably. But I need to find <laughs> yeah. out. You need to know. I, I just love the <laughs> fact that you're like, God, these are like the most terrible movies I've ever seen in my entire life. <sighs> Let's watch the next one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I've been doing a lot of rest and relaxation, and I've really been enjoying the time off. I super, super needed it because I did like an entire year and a half where I had like one day off a week. Do not recommend that at all. Yeah, same here. Um, so, yeah, uh, watched a lot of stuff that I'll be talking about on the live show. Very excited about that. Kind of. Uh, That's good, because last live show we did, I had a lot to talk about the stuff that I watched, but not so much this week. Cool. I th- we'll have a lot then. Um, but on yeah. to the film we'll be watching this week. La La Land. The first thing I want to say yeah. is that this is the next film from a person who, a film we did watch this year, Robbie presented it, Whiplash, uh, Damien Chazelle. Um, this is actually the film that he did immediately after La La Land. I mean, it was like a little bit of a time span between them. But like looking into like a lot of like interviews and stuff like that, apparently La La Land is the movie he always wanted to make. Uh, he even had it written before he ever wrote Whiplash. He wrote Whiplash, apparently, in order to help gain credits to go off and do La La Land. <laughs> He's like, man, I really wanted to make this movie. I guess I'll just have to make one of the highest regarded movies in existence first. <laughs> um, twice. He, twice in a row he did that, actually. Um, I mean, I kind of get that just because it's one of those, like, you can't, if you have nothing to show uh, for, or no, no work to show, you can't pr- or convince a producer to be like, hey, let me borrow $20 million to make this movie. Exactly, which is the problem because when they went into making La La Land, they went in with the idea of, we have to make this as big and bombastic and classical and exactly what we want. Um, and they stuck to that, actually. The 95% of what this movie is is what they ri- wrote down before they ever even started production on Whiplash, let alone production on this, which I just thought was really interesting because uh, I did not follow this man's career at all after Whiplash. Like, I just thought Whiplash was like a cool movie. And like I, we learned a lot about it from Robbie's episode, and that was really cool. So, like, going in this movie, okay, like, oh, I, same dude. I do have to say this, though. I wasn't the one who presented Whiplash. It was Rocky that presented Whiplash. Shit, Rocky did present it, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, I thought, like, I thought I misheard you at first, and I was like, okay. Like, no, he's talking about Rocky. Then he said it again. I was like, nope, nope, he's talking about me. <laughs> Rocky did present it. Oh, snap. <laughs> oh, man. Good thing he's not here to defend himself. I'm sending <laughs> Also, he doesn't listen to the podcast, so I'm I think we're good. I'm sending this specific episode and, like, putting a timestamp. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll probably not even remember either. Yeah, maybe. Um, but, yeah, I just thought that that was really interesting. So, am I correct in assuming nobody has seen this except for me? I have I not seen it. Yeah. Of yeah. course he hasn't. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was the one who actually recommended us watching La La Land back when we were writing movies. Yeah, yeah. When we were, like, way back in the beginning of it. Like, first few months. Yeah. It's, I'm very interested to see how E handles this movie. <laughs> um, just, I just remember. You say that so often. <laughs> I know. But, like, I remember us before we started the podcast of, like, having a discussion between you and me of you saying, like, you want to, like, start watching more musicals because, like, people regard them very highly and people love them. And so you, like, want to give them a try and, like, see what it's all about. 
Yeah. And the more musicals that I had started buying, the more I was like, oh, this isn't the genre for E at all. <laughs> um, Good. For a reason that we'll get into after we watch the movie. This one's just sex. They just hit all the high notes. Hardcore fucking. And then occasionally they sing. Every once in a while. Is there a musical porno? There's gotta be. Gotta be. I wouldn't doubt it. I'm huh. sure if we Google the musical porno, yeah. we'd have a search list along, at the length of our arm. There's at least mu- pornos about musicals at the very yeah. least. I'll do some research. <laughs> <laughs> Get uh, some detailed files. <laughs> I, mean, I have guesses of why you were like buying musicals and like, oh, wait, shit. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I mean, like, I've, I enjoyed Hamilton, one of the like two musicals. <laughs> One of the high, most highly regarded musical theater experiences literally ever. You yeah, liked that one I, enough? I thought that was a good one. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, just because of what the genre is. But again, we'll talk about that after yeah. we watch the movie. Um, so I guess since nobody has seen La La Land, I'm going to start with Robbie. Because you seem to be the one who has <laughs> absolutely no idea what this movie's about. No, I have no idea what the movie is about. What do you think I know is happening? It's... I know it's Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone singing and playing piano and dancing, and that's about it. Okay. But you thought they were saving the South from No, I just know that jazz. it's- <laughs> From jazz. From jazz. No, I know. All I know is it's a jazz-styled musical that takes place in the South, but it has a lot of white actors in it. Okay. Interesting. That's why I was making that joke of, like, white people save the South through musical, or save jazz in the South through musical. <laughs> Well, we'll see how accurate that is. Uh, Sam, I know it's not very, but... <laughs> Sam, what yeah. do you think happens in this film? Well, I think I've like looked up about what happens or what it's about, but I don't really remember it, or you told me or something. <laughs> but I think it, it probably takes place in Hollywood, and it's about like um, the bad parts of Hollywood. This is probably totally incorrect or totally correct. <laughs> <laughs> there is a good chance it's one of yeah, them. Yeah, it's a 50-50 shot. <laughs> There's like a 50-50 chance there. <laughs> um, and then there's music and singing and like love or whatever. Yeah. You know, whatever. <laughs> Maybe drugs. I think there's probably drugs. Okay, okay. Like it sounds like a nice, like happy... Um, musical thing, but I think it. I hope it's darker than that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, interesting. This is gonna be fun. E, what do you think will happen in this film? I think this is supposed to be like a more modern take on musicals, whereas a lot of musicals kind of ended up staying in like the seventies and eighties for the most part. This is more like, hey, what if fucking. People in 2016 actually were the stars of musicals, so it kind of deals with more like, more, uh, more modern issues. Probably like not being able to afford rent in California or something specific like that. <laughs> uh, that's mostly. I think it's a. It's far, it's more like satirical, I believe, than most musicals. Okay, and l- lots of yellow. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, it does look very colorful from like what I've seen. I don't know. Well, some information about this film and where you can watch it if you want to do so. You can watch it on Hulu if you have the Cinemax add-on, or you can watch it on YouTube TV um, if you have the Cinemax Premium add-on. 
or the package that includes it. So if you pay for $60 streaming service and add on Cinemax for probably about another good 20 bucks. Uh-huh. Cool. <laughs> or you can rent it for $3.99 from Voodoo, Voodoo, YouTube, <laughs> Google Play, or Amazon Prime. You can have it on the YouTube TV thing with the Cinemax, or you could just rent it from YouTube. Uh-huh. um it is rated pg-13 for some language and the runtime is 128 minutes so just over an hour two hours sorry (laughs) i've really not had coffee (laughs) say usually i'm this tired whenever we do these and then before we get to watching the movie uh here is the back of the box winner of six academy awards including best director for writer director damien chazelle and winner of a record-breaking seven Golden Globe Awards. La La Land is more than the most acclaimed movie of the year. It's a cinematic treasure for the ages that you'll fall in love with again and again. Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling star as Mia and Sebastian, an actress and a jazz musician pursuing their Hollywood dreams, and finding each other in a vibrant celebration of hope, dreams, and love. Two-thirds of that is not even the movie. Yeah, it's them jacking themselves off. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I get part of it, right? That it t- takes place in Hollywood. Yeah, the La La Land part. <laughs> um, cool. Well, <laughs> let's go watch this movie. I'm really excited what everybody thinks about this one. We haven't had a movie where so many people haven't seen it in a while, I think, actually. That's um, fair. So this will be yeah. cool. So, we will be right back with you, and we'll let you guys know what everyone thought of it. And we are back watching La La Land. I think we should jump right into it. Let's start off with what I think will be maybe a fairly negative opinion of this film. Sam. <laughs> I think we all knew that it was going to go what? that way. What would make you think I'd give this film a negative review? Um, it has happy people in it. It's mostly happy <laughs> until it's not. <laughs> and it's fairly cliched until it's not. I enjoyed it all right. Um, but yeah, of course, it's definitely very cliche. And... <sighs> I don't know. I I thought the best part w- about it is that it is visually stunning. Uh, it the music's really is. all right. Um, it it was a musical, but like it, I felt like there wasn't like a whole bunch of musical numbers. <laughs> they still they yeah. feel just sort of like in there for no reason. <laughs> so here's something actually I think is interesting. I had only ever seen this movie once before this actually. Um, and I, over the years, having seen it, because I only saw it in theaters the one time, I have, like, slowly gained a pretty negative opinion about the movie, or, like, a meh opinion about the movie. Um, and also had the opinion of, like, there's not actually that much music in this. And then watching it again, I'm thinking, like, there's, like, way more music than I remember there being in this. I wouldn't say there's not much music in it. I would say there's not a lot of song in it. Yeah, there's, like, a lot of music in it, because... You know, there's jazz everywhere in this movie, yeah. but like, there's not a mu- a lot of musical numbers. Like, it start. I don't know if this is a spoiler. <laughs> it starts out with like 
two or three like the first act is like two or three musical numbers and i think there's like maybe one or two like the rest rest of the yeah. movie so it sort forgot. of feels yeah <laughs> so it's um, kind of weird <laughs> i think that that's very old-fashioned in the way that they're doing that or the way that they did that i should say because that's kind of what they were going for is an old-fashioned musical with new sensibilities something that sounds old but isn't old kind of thing so i think that that was actually well, I don't think. I know for a fact that was actually incredibly intentional of them that the way that they structured this movie. The way that they in interviews and like special featurettes and stuff like that what the director was saying is that he considers that there are actually only four characters in the entire movie. There is Mia Sebastian, I think that's his name, right? Something like that. Yeah. 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 Um Los Angeles and the music. Those are the only four <laughs> characters in the Can't, entire movie. That's not those aren't characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> it's just you can't call music a character. That's not I kind of think you can. No, actually, that's not what characters are. I think it's the music is like very much its own thing, though. That's like, not the same as it being a character. I, 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 just, I think okay. So I think the mentality that he's going for there is that like the music should be just as fleshed out as any written character should be. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Which I think is what it's actually going. Maybe yeah. it's just like it's such a weird thing to say. But I I kind of do agree with that. Um, I think you can see it shine through throughout the whole movie, and as well as Los Angeles. Yeah, we interrupted Sam a lot for it being her <laughs> thoughts. <Yes>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why would you interrupt me and all of my thoughts that I have? Um, what else do I have to say about this? <laughs> <laughs> I also don't know if this is a spoiler or not. I don't, oh, it's weird. But I feel like Mia and Sebastian didn't have, like, any chemistry at all. And it was just sort of, like, forced because they just happened to meet a few times just randomly. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it must be fucking, what, what do you call it? Fate, um, Destiny. Fate, yeah. Um. I oh, disagree no. about it's... the chemistry thing, actually. I think they have incredible chemistry. Nah. They sort of seem to, like, hate each other at the beginning. <laughs> I mean, script-wise... And then they're like... both... And then there's a whole song about, like, oh, this can never work, because I don't like you. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, that's kind of the point, actually, of the movie. Um, <laughs> but, like, I think Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone actually have incredibly great chemistry together. I think they work off of each other really well. I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. Okay, okay. So that's what I thought so far. Okay. Next. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Next movie. <laughs> um, let's go with Robbie. Okay. Um, I did enjoy the movie. It was interesting the way that they laid it out, though. It made it made itself very conflicting on purpose. Like how it has kind of that classical old time feel to it, but it's in a modern era with, you know, older standards of like, it felt like it was a 1950s musical, but it was dealing with modern problems. Kind of, but it does kind of work, especially with, you know, kind of, I guess, once again, this could be going into spoiler territories of like people, you know, having dreams that could be conflicting with one another. And that causes some of the drama that happens with inside of the movie. Um, I did like it all around, though. Like it did have good music, like the musical scores and the songs they wrote for it were done very well along with the choreographed music scenes that they had are not choreographed music the choreographed dance scenes that they had but 
I do agree that this had less music in it than I expected. Like, I feel like halfway through the movie, whenever, I guess not even halfway, like, um, probably like two thirds way through the movie, wherever they finally have a musical or musical number again. And I have that moment of like, oh yeah, this is a musical. Cause it is true. Like what Sam said, like a lot of the musicals happen in the first act and then it just goes off into the storyline. What's going on, which that's actually another thing I was going to say about it. It is another thing that's conflicting about it is that it's a very grounded movie about, you know, the struggles of someone who's not famous living in LA along with the bombasticness of like the large musical score numbers that happen in it. Yeah, I agree. There's like a a weird contrast. There there. is, but it works for this movie though. And it is very technicolory, which also works towards its sense of, you know, being an old time musical Mm -hmm. in a modern era. Uh, But that is one thing that I thought is like, this is very technicolory with a lot of how they do. If you can tell like certain parts of the movie just have a certain theme based on the color of everything in there because like if there's blue in the scene then it's a strong sense of blue that takes over everything if there's red it's a strong color of red that takes over everything and for every single part of the movie it feels like but yeah oh no i feel like you know this is a movie like he had a very clear-cut goal of what he wanted to make and he did make it and i do like how like you said it was very cliche up until it wasn't which is also kind of a weird clash that it has in the movie but it it works for it yeah i think that that's maybe the part that that's maybe the part that if anything takes you for a spin um that third act twist i think is what is yeah. gonna do it i think that that's kind of for me that's the big um the hook of the whole thing right and that's what i actually did enjoy about it because i kind of watched it halfway through going okay so this is a cliche love story and then it did have that twist towards the end yeah of it which we'll get into whenever we talk spoilers for it but yeah, like it was, it was interesting. It's not my favorite musical, but it was rather interesting and a very well done film. Okay. E. Hi. Um, you're going to go last because I feel like I'm going to have to start playing some defense after you go. So I'm going to go real quick. Um... <laughs> <laughs> after what Sam said, even? Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> well, I realized I had to play defense when Sam went. So uh, got to play defense out on E, I'm assuming. Um... Christ. All right. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there's a handful of times I thought I'd have to play defense on you guys for a movie that I would bring, and then you guys were like, oh, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I uh, I do like this movie. I think I like it a lot more on the second viewing, honestly, than on the first one. On the first one, at least from what memory serves, because like I said, over the years, like my opinion of this movie started going to like, it's fine, I guess. Like If I have to watch it, I'll watch it again. And then watching it again, I'm like, oh, actually, like this works really well, and like, this brings everything back and like, oh, wow, the ending of this movie like kind of informs the rest of this movie really well. And I liked it a lot more than on my first viewing, I'm going to say. I really did. So much so that I think it actually might have been able to be in our anti-love month, honestly, uh, a little bit. Mm. Almost. Yeah. I don't uh, know if I would call it an anti-love movie, but I, 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 I get what you mean by that. Though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like the sentiment is almost there. Right. But it it honestly is. A beautifully shot and composed film. Yeah. One of the things that they did for this movie is they went into it always expecting it to be this big, huge, bombastic thing from the go before they even started like putting anything to script or writing any of the music because um, the man who wrote all the music, composed all the music, he composed it in MIDI. Um, and then they went on and did whatever with it. But 
they worked together. They went to school together and they worked on Whiplash together. And they basically have already said, like, they're whatever one of them does, the other one is going to go and do with them. Okay. And so, like, he was composing the music. And I think just for that, uh, for the City of Stars song, I think he said that ended up having something like 50 drafts or something like that before they actually got the final version of the song down. And they'd worked over on that one song for like uh, five years. I can believe that. Before production even fucking started on the movie. But yeah, they like went into it always expecting it to have that big opening on the freeway, having that big giant imagination scene at the end that, that originally they wanted it to be 20 minutes, but for audience sake, they cut it down to 10. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and then like they, oh, they wrote all the music anticipating that they have to have a 90 piece orchestra for the entire thing before they've ever done anything. They wrote this movie to be that. Uh, and Whiplash was an, enough of a success that they actually were able to acquire all that stuff and do everything and even got a 95 piece orchestra at one point. And yeah, it kind of manifested itself. They're like, I want it to be this. And they just did it until it was that thing, which I think is actually really impressive on a behind the scenes perspective. Oh, yeah. Um, Especially whenever you have, you know, people who are invested in it and then, you know, they're putting millions of dollars into it. So you have to listen to their opinion because it's their vision of the movie too so sometimes you have to make sacrifices for especially something or uh, something that's this big it's something that i was talking about to e at the end of this movie is uh that first piece that you're talking about and the ending of the movie i feel like that's where a, a major part of their budget went for or went to towards this movie no really um all that's fairly simple because it's just like a bunch of paintings and stuff like that it's fairly simple their budget was kind of to get uh, permits to film in a bunch of different places because they filmed in LA on scene. Um, I'll get to some of their bigger uh, things in a little bit because I don't want to take up too much time before we get to E's opinion on it. Okay. Um, but ultimately, uh, I actually did really, really like this movie a lot more on the second viewing, and things stuck with me way more on the second viewing than they did on my first. Um, but E, you've I... had this this smirk this whole time. Um, what did you think of this movie? Hey, fucker, I quite like this movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Goddamn, I need to fucking defend from E's ruthless force over here. Goddamn. Drives me this evening. Usually I'm the one that's like, both of you hated this movie. And he's like, I loved it. I could have sworn he's you were going to so hate it. He's so about the John Wick thing. <laughs> I know, he's like, oh, fucking E hates everything I like. <laughs> no, I quite like this movie. Um... I think it is missing some, like, really, some songs to for me to classify as a musical, but I think that's another thing of I haven't seen enough musicals to really know what pushes it to that, because I know a lot of uh, a lot of Disney's old animated films are musicals, whereas I don't see it as that, in my opinion. Right, like, this is an old-school, like, 40s, 50s musical. It's first act, tons of music, because it's what's supposed to bring you in and stick you to it, and then they sprinkle music in throughout until the big climactic song. And then, uh, well, with the songs that are there, honestly, I like did it, I quite enjoyed all of them too. Like with uh, Greatest Showman, I was kind of mad on most of the songs. Like I was saying, I can't really. I was telling you, like I couldn't like remember any of the songs after watching. I I quite like these. These are all really great songs in my opinion. I think some of that has to do with uh, this movie centers a lot on like jazz and jazz influence, whereas and uh. Jazz is just my favorite genre of music, so that kind of <laughs> helps. I think that's something this movie does get really well is like the freeformness of jazz, and there's a cool, 
I, a lot of the like cool conflicts I like are probably not the ones I'm supposed to like. I like the cool conflict that the main character has about like traditionalism versus inspiration versus like, like what newer be, fusion. What is or isn't jazz at a point, which is a, a small part of the movie, but I quite enjoy it a lot. And just kind of seeing the struggles of like a lot of the characters from moving forward and what happens next, what is going to be what has happened. Do I hold on to that or do I let it go? And even just like the idea of what it means to hold on to a dream if and growing up, which is a thing a lot of people tell you you have to do at some point. So there's a lot of that stuff I really like. Um I'm not I'm not too big on the main character, I'll say that. I don't I don't really like his I like a lot of parts about him, but I don't like him himself. But I don't think the movie wants you to be like 100% on board with his character. Because I think he has a lot of flaws that are pretty evident throughout the movie. Yeah, I think they both do. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Right. Um, and he's, It feels like he's supposed to come off as just a little bit douchey. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's the important thing. Because I think this movie does something interesting with like showing how seemingly... Oh, this might be spoilers, just cut it out if it is. How like these seemingly perfect match are actually kind of toxic for one another, and how they don't match each other, and how that influences everything around them. And I like the main actress, uh, Mia, her struggles with rejection, and because I think that's a really real thing that a lot of people can face and might not be able to like pinpoint. Like when you re- when you live through so much rejection like that it just becomes really hard to move forward. And I think that was a really beautiful message to her and how it doesn't like the only person who's like super against it is of course the main guy. But again, he's a character. I don't think you're supposed to entirely see him as correct. I think there's a lot of nuance in this movie. That's really good. And uh, we've talked about it before, but this movie is visually stunning. Like the color palettes are beautiful. Like Every shot is framed in an amazing way that, like, tells you so much with so little. And it's just amazing to look like. Quite frankly, you could just watch this movie for that alone, I think, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, so question. Did you guys watch this in 4K? Oh, unfortunately, I don't have the 4K. Um, Rewatching it again, it has convinced me I need to go out and buy that, though. (laughs) Because I think I, this genuinely would look like, fantastic. I was gonna 4K. say I don't even fucking care that much about 4K, but I think this would actually be a really good 4K movie because it is like so beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like I was saying earlier; like it has a lot of color palettes that just pop out at you. Yeah, and like you were saying, like you can immediately tell what you're supposed to feel from the color palette alone, which is of course something that I really like enjoy about animation, where that stuff is so strong and so centralized that it really shows. And I'm glad that live action films are able to really see that and see what it does for a movie. Um, there are of course parts I dislike about this movie. Um, it's personal bias. Obviously I don't think the middle's very good. The kind of honeymoon phase. I think that's yeah. pretty bleh. I, I, that, I think <laughs> everyone can agree with me. It's fair for me to have assumed you would not have liked this film. <laughs> that's so because of in how opinion, integrated that's so little of the film though. Because I think the film mostly, like, I guess that's kind of the setup, but I think the main part, what I would call, like, the main central part of the film is kind of after that, where they're together and it doesn't have to be in that. Like, after the honeymoon phase is, like, when I really start to be on board with this film. 
And I think that's early enough in the film for me to not like feel like I'm being dragged along the entire time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there's just some like script things that confused me. Like a part, it's early in the film, so I won't. I'll just say, um, like someone breaks into his room, and I don't know who this person was. It seemed like a sibling, but I thought it was the girl, and I was really confused. I think that's your face blindness, E. It could be. Well, to be <laughs> fair, she's just... barely, you can barely see her. She's usually quite far away from the screen. She does look very different, though. I don't know. <laughs> but she does say it's her, that he's the, uh, she's his sister. Yeah, I thought so. So that was, like, confusing me a bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, just, I, I quite enjoy it. I think there's a lot of strong parts in it that can keep me past the, like, generic uh will they won't they that they kind of start as and the honeymooner phase where like i like this movie goes past that and i think that's important because i i imagine that's why you were so like when looking at a bunch of music you're like <laughs> oh he's gonna hate these yes because that does seem to be a lot of the focus of a lot of musicals musicals and love stories are ingrained and i think a lot of that is because and i've said this a lot in conversations in my life is that like Music has a way of bypassing all of the logic sensors in your brain and just hits you in your emotions. Like music is just completely yeah. capable of bypassing everything and just hitting you and making you feel something without even realizing it. And so I think that that's why musicals and love stories are so intertwined is because for a lot of people, love is something they can't really describe. And the way that music makes them feel is something they can't really describe. Yeah. And like I can, I get the music part, but of course the love part actually frustrates me because I, I don't understand it and no one can explain it to me. <laughs> the most I got is it's when you meet someone that makes, then you just think they're mighty keen, as my friend put it. Real, real neat. Yeah, real neat person. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I just quite enjoy this movie. I think I, I probably won't enjoy other musicals as much because they're probably going to be focusing more on the parts I didn't like about this movie. But there's enough subversion and just beautiful cinematography that really keeps me in this movie nice um i think there are definitely some musicals out there like there's a few that even i own that i think are very off the beaten path for musical wise that i'm actually very interested to show you at some point this year because i, I want to delve into more musicals this year for sure yeah, we're doubling down you're gonna get at least at twice least, as many yeah, so two uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i i am surprised you liked it i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i'm shocked about that um yeah, so before we get into spoilers, I'm going to just go through a very quick uh, thing of what this is. And it's, it is a pretty simple story, so it won't be long. Um, it literally is just two people living in modern-day Los Angeles, one who is a jazz musician who's trying to get enough money to just start a club and make his own club and be his own owner and own boss and just help jazz live on, and the other one who wants to just be an actress. Uh, not necessarily a successful actress, but just an actress and be a yeah. working actress. And at least C-list. At least. Um, and so they eventually meet at a party. Well, they meet a few times. They meet many they, times. They pass a few times. And when they finally meet, they uh, hit it off, more or less, in ways you wouldn't expect, and they fall in love. Um, it's a very basic story, and we can't talk about the rest until we get into spoilers, unfortunately, because that's where the meat of the story honestly is. Yeah, and where the conflicts start to happen, I think, is the most interesting stuff story-wise. But one thing that I think is this movie does really well, and kind of from what I was listening to, the whole production hinged on the opening of this movie, 
that big freeway musical number yes. that makes no sense. Everyone's getting out of their cars. <laughs> it's, it's the whole hilarious. musical thing that everyone always makes fun of. Like, how are all these strangers just like doing this thing? Um, they all know all the steps and all the song. Yeah. Um, was all obviously incredibly purposeful. This was meant to be old school musical mentality kind of thing. Um, they actually shut a freeway down for that for three <laughs> yeah. days. Oh, that would suck. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine working and then you're like, oh, sorry, you can't use the freeway for singing. So what they did is there was one lane open on one of the sides of it. So everybody had to go through the one lane. They weren't allowed oh. to go through when it was shooting. They shut it down for three days in the middle of L.A. Yeah, when I was watching that, I was like, I wonder like how much money they had to pay to actually get that road to themselves. Yeah, that's, that's the budget. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was saying, the beginning part, because that huge musical number, and I knew that they had to, they either had to do two things that would have been very expensive. One, either close off a section of the highway so that way they can actually do that musical number, and then pay to have all those cars and all those people choreographed to do that big musical number. Or B... They built their own freeway to make that musical number. <laughs> it might have been cheaper. Maybe. Um, yeah. They had literally three days to pull it off. That was always going to be the opening of the movie. There was no other way he had to open it. There was literally no other way he could imagine to open the movie because he wanted it to be big in your face, bombastic thing. And so they practiced for months, months and months and months. Uh, they used their own cars. They parked them up in line, like all the dancers and stuff like that, just so they could get it right. And then they got there. And they had one day for practicing on the actual set with the actual costumes and all that kind of stuff. And then two days to film it. The two days they filmed it were the two hottest record days in Los Angeles history. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it was sweltering inside that semi, or semi where those guys were had all the instruments. It was. People were dancing on top of these cars because a car is just a fucking oven, basically, at that point. Yeah. Um, also, it was supposed to be winter at this time in the movie, too, I believe. Well, it's Los Angeles, though. <laughs> there is no winter in Los Angeles. I mean, it's it'll be cooler, but it's not going to be like as hot as, as it actually was. Right, yeah. yeah. So. I, think, I think the issue, though, if they actually try to do winter, it'd probably look really great. <laughs> yeah, that's the other part, yeah. is on their second day when they were shooting, um, it was really overcast until about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, so they just lost most of the day of filming on their second day. Oh, my gosh. And then the other thing that they didn't account for in all of their practicing is once they got on the freeway, it was slanted. <laughs> and oh, so no. they are all balancing on these cars that are just at an angle. Yeah. I so did... did they just have to, like... Yeah, yeah. well, that's one thing that I noticed about that is like all of them look like they're a little bit crooked. Yeah, and I think it's because they were just standing in such a way to like they weren't going to fall over while doing these musical numbers. Oh my gosh, uh, super super challenging shoot for that. Um, I I would say they pulled it off though. Yeah, it's a good scene. Like the biggest thing about the scene is it sets the tone immediately. Yes, you know what you're getting into. Yeah, um, that was that was kind of the point of it is that. He wanted people, when they go and sit down in a theater or press play on the movie or whatever, he wants them within the first five minutes to know whether this is a movie for them or not. Yeah. And I th- I think that that's, piece does succeed in that. Like, if you're not in on the first five minutes, you're probably not in on the rest of the movie. Actually, I sort of, I kind of sort of hated it <laughs> at first <laughs> because I don't like musicals very much. <laughs> uh, I, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to fucking hate this movie every time. <laughs> I mean, I think some of the part with me, though, is, like, if you listen to the actual lyrics, they're kind of very tongue-in-cheek, which I think was what set yeah. it for me. Like, they're very, like, like, God, this sucks, but we're fucking here. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the other thing is, with this being such a musical thing and so much about jazz and, like, playing piano and stuff like that, one of the things that they really wanted to do was have... Ryan Gosling actually play the piano. 
So he had four months to practice piano. He played for four hours a day, five to six days a week, up until shooting. Um, they did not have faith in him because that's a really short amount of time to yeah. learn how to play piano, especially jazz piano of all things. Yeah. And so on the second day of shooting is the most complicated piano part of the movie. It's when he's playing that big piece in the on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever Mia and Sebastian first kind of pass yeah, each yeah. other again for well, actually, it's like the second passing, like at yeah, that third, point. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, I was gonna say it's like no, it's the second passing, isn't it? Because it's uh, <laughs> after the, the highway. highway. Yeah, it's after the highway, so it's the second passing. But it's I think it's whenever she realizes that she uh, that she's into him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like that's like the biggest piano thing, and so that was the second day of shooting, the entire movie, and they actually had. Uh, CGI budget put to the side just in case, in case they needed to CG his hands. Um, and they had a hand double that was a professional pianist uh, ready in case he didn't know how to play it. He nailed it. Um, everything in the movie where you see him playing a piano, he mm-hmm. is 100% playing that piano. Um, there's nothing else going on. That's him playing it. That so did impressive. he know how to play the piano before that at all? Nope. Really? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I was going to ask. That's... Cause like, <laughs> I was gonna ask if like he was kept practicing. Cause honestly, like I think at the start he's a little rough, but I think he does actually really improve throughout the movie. Cause like at the start he's doing a lot of kind of like piano mistakes where like he's hitting the keys way harder than he needs to. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, he he started to like really get into it. So yeah, I was curious about that. Yeah, um, all him throughout the whole thing. That is really impressive. I can actually name something like that too, since I I play the guitar. Um. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember, well, roll it dry, he never remembers. Uh, <laughs> that really complicated thing that I used to practice all the time on or on guitar. Uh, part of the reason why, uh, it's a sweet pattern that goes into tapping motion on it. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> the song called MP Reel, uh, there's a sweet pattern for it. It actually took me four months to learn how to play that. And like that's whenever I was back in job course, so I was practicing like a minimum of an hour a day to get that down. Jeez. It took me four months to actually get it down. Damn. So I commend him for like, learning those complicated pieces in four months like that mm-hmm. takes a lot of dedication yeah um and like, he is musically inclined he and emma stone um sing all their own parts in the movie like that's all their own voice you ever hear um ryan gosling actually was a singer starting his career he was on mickey mouse club he was almost uh, oh, yeah, a member right. of in sync actually yeah um, almost yeah. almost yeah he was almost chosen well i was gonna say isn't he because he has named it and start with an n no, I was actually going to say because he's actually real life friends with Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Yeah, they were all in the Mickey Mouse Club together, which is really weird. Yeah. But honestly, if you look, Mickey Mouse Club did get a lot of starts that you probably yeah. wouldn't think about. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so like he is musically inclined to start with. Um, so the piano is not a huge stretch. Uh, it's definitely You're one of the fucking hardest instruments. Instrument yeah, but yeah. Uh, really cool, I think, actually, just for fun fact stuff. Yeah, I mean, I you could tell from the start that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if we're in spoiler territory yet, are we? Um, I we think I think it's fair point. to say that all the stuff we actually really want to talk about in this movie is past the spoiler point. Yeah. So if you are interested in La La Land, you've probably seen it. It's a really fucking big movie. It made a lot of money. Most people have seen it at this <laughs> point. The guy who just showed it for the first time to, to three, three people that people. hadn't seen it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we could go through this every week. It's still gonna be a true thing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's 
it's very easy to rent. It's extremely easy to buy a physical copy of it if you want to do that. I know many people do not you like doing that. You probably go to a dollar store and find one, quite frankly. I mean, you can go to Walmart and find a $5 copy of it. It's pretty easy to find, honestly. Um, but yeah, spoilers from here on out. We're going to be talking about probably more of the like second act, third act stuff. Uh, the first act stuff, I think, is really charming and really, really fun. But that's a lot of musical numbers and character pieces that's kind of really hard to explain and get into. Yeah. So we're really going to talk about the character stuff later in the movie. Spoilers from yeah, here I've been now. warned. Yes. So, the big turn, they both end up, well, one ends up being successful. Sebastian, Ryan Gosling's character, winds up being incredibly successful. He signs on a deal because he, has a, he overhears a phone call with Mia and uh, her mom or her dad or something like that. Mom. Mom? Yeah. About how she's like, no, no, he's not done anything. He's not big. You wouldn't have heard of him, no. And he like overhears that, and so that uh, urges him on to go and sign on to a deal that one of his old school buddies asked if he wanted to be involved in. And it's something that he's not passionate about in any way whatsoever. Uh, he actually hates the music that he's playing. It's very uh, new and modern jazz, and he doesn't feel like that's actually jazz. So he kind of hates the project. And there's a speech whenever he goes to that first practice, and that first practice ends that I really like. John Legend, who is the person in this movie making his acting debut, fucking huge music star, apparently. I also had not heard of him until this movie, though. Liz was, like, freaked out when we watched this movie in theater. She's like, holy shit, John Legend. Like, right? <laughs> Yeah, John Everybody leggings. knows leggings. Um. <laughs> I mean, it's to be fair, it's one of those things, too, like uh, the rapper Logic. I actually had no idea who he was until probably about, about a, I want to say, a year ago. Man, like, that's a good world to live in, not knowing who Logic is. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea who he was. And then I found out, like, oh, yeah, he's, like, one of the biggest guys in rap. It's like, oh, uh, okay. Unfortunately. I mean, that's just life. Sometimes you're just going to wake up one day and someone's like, you don't know Billy Mathilly? Yeah. He has seven billion hits. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like, I went to, uh, one of my friends from Job Corps had no idea who, uh, like, Jimi Hendrix was or ACDC or any, like, old school classic rock guys because he grew up listening to country. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's Job Corps, though. You know, they're kind of, like, isolated at that point. Yeah, they don't really out. have a way, like, to get the outside media in for the most yeah. part. <laughs> I heard, I heard like, some people, like, fly balloons over with USB sometimes, and, you know, sometimes you just hope you find a nice little... Yeah, that's how I learned like, that song! Yeah. <laughs> I saw this, like, really cool video of somebody in Job Corps. I think it must have been Job Corps, anyway, to where he, like, took this, like toothbrush apart and he like connected it to oh, his you. desk and he like started cooking toast on it it was crazy <laughs> i don't even know what the fuck you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> okay um if anybody knows how to cook toast with a toothbrush let us know <laughs> but yeah uh john legend right john legend <laughs> um he plays that uh Big musician who helped uh, Sebastian friend. get signed. Yeah, the friend. Um, What's his name? John Legend. No, in the movie. <laughs> I don't Kevin? know. I don't. Is it I, Kevin? I don't is think it it's Kevin. That's a kind of a white name. Kevin can be anybody's name. <laughs> Keith, apparently. Keith. 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 I just saw the K. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Keith. All right. Uh, his best friend, Keith. Not his best friend. His, uh, his yeah. because Kevin was too wide of a name. Yes, yes. <laughs> so says me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm um, the widest person here, I think. No, I think everyone in the like, including Sam, are like equally white. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, his acquaintance Keith. I was gonna say best friend, but he doesn't really like him that much. His um, old friend. Old friend. Yeah. Him, I think. Um. Yeah. Talks about like, man, like. 
I know that it's not like old jazz or anything like that, but like people like you are the reason why like jazz isn't big anymore. Like you're the reason or people like you are the reason why jazz isn't what it can be or what it should be because jazz is supposed to be about the future. It's supposed to be about rebelling. It's supposed to be about showing your emotions and moving forward and what's going to happen next. But people like you are always talking about the past and all these big names and you're so attached to the past and hooked onto that that you refuse to move forward. He's like, yeah, I mean, you're better than the other guy, but you're just such a pain in the ass to work with. Um, and I think that that one speech actually encapsulates what happens in the rest of the movie. I think, yeah. Honestly, yeah. I love that speech. Too. I was talking about earlier how I love this kind of like weird dynamic of traditionalist versus kind of improvisation. And I, d- I really like that speech because it, it, I think something important is it doesn't like make, make you want to take a side necessarily. Yeah. In my opinion, like, it doesn't frame it in a way where one side is clearly right. Because yeah. he has a point where a lot of people aren't listening to jazz, and that's arguably because jazz to them hasn't moved. There's something in the start where uh, Mia says she just doesn't like jazz, and, t- and he takes her to a jazz club, and she's like, what is this? Because like, her jazz was always elevator music. The jazz radio, that kind of stuff. Yeah, like smooth jazz, like fall asleep to kind of thing. Yeah, so like that that was a big issue for, and that's the thing for a lot of people is they envision jazz in that way. And I like this a lot because this is a conversation I have with a lot of people where I'll talk about music and they'll be like, yeah, I don't like this genre. And I'm like, how much have you listened to this that genre? And they're like, you know, I hear it on the radio and I just never like it. It's like, and, like, I don't want to, like, force people to listen to stuff they don't want to, obviously. <laughs> but, like, I do implore people to, like, really try to find something out of the ordinary. Because, like, when I was in high school, I used to be like, oh, I don't like country or anything. until And I got older and I started listening to more, like, different things than usual. And I was like, no, I do like country. I just did, listened to a lot of songs I didn't like. Because I think that's a big thing. And, like, some of the getting out of that was honestly due to the gorillas from featuring so many different types of songs on their albums. <laughs> so, I don't, like, there's some cool things where, like, again, like, a lot of people had jazz as smooth jazz in their mind. And that's why in the movie, a lot of it's not moving because they're not being introduced to these new kinds of music. If you look at the club that he's in at the start of the movie, it's full of very, like, the same people. Like, very like-minded people, it tries to tell you. Kind of in an echo chamber? Yeah, kind of. Like, not that negatively, kind of, not with that much negative connotation, but, like, there's a cool thing. And, like, when it gets later into the movie, you see a huge diversity of the people yeah. who are listening to it. And it still is identifiably jazz. It's just different. Yeah. And, again, that's one of the important things about jazz to me is the improvisation, the freeformness. So, like... I just think it's really interesting and the that the movie is more nuanced about it. I really like cuz a lot of times in these kinds of movies it's always like generic bad dubstep sounds for the new music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't go that way. Uh, yeah. I think like it definitely shows like it's trying to be more modern to appeal mm-hmm. to a younger audience like on a stage when he's like playing like the three different like keyboards and the piano yeah. and then like the dancers come on and stuff like that. And I think like that's that very... was pretty cringe. Yeah, yeah. But I think like <laughs> it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, like it's supposed to be what like a kid, yeah. like kid, quote unquote, like a young adult, I guess. Yeah, is supposed to think about for that kind of music. Yeah. One I... thing I actually did like about that concert scene too was uh, 
how it starts off as very classically jazz, and you can see, you just see uh, Sebastian and Mia uh, throughout, and nothing but blackness. And then it starts to he pulls out the synth, and like the our everything else starts playing, and she has that deer in the headlights look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that part's it's that really very good. clear of like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be at all. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is another one of those things that I really like uh, when they have a conversation later, which we'll also have to get to later. Yeah. But, um. So the biggest thing comes from Mia is writing a one-woman show, a mm-hmm. uh, classical Hollywood actor trope of like I'm gonna do a one-man show or a one-woman show, and then like classically it fails because so few people really want to go look at that. And then another thing about this movie I do like is it doesn't show you her show though. No, because that's not the important part. Yeah, because it then becomes up to you whether or not you think the show was actually good and no one showed up. If you think the show was bad. Because, like, there's a part, like, that gets to parts later, but the movie never, the movie doesn't want to tell you these things a lot of times, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, the movie just says that it's very personal and very personal for her and very nostalgic for yeah. her. Um, which I think it probably informs what you think the play is about or how good you think the play is, is how much you like this character or not. Or what you know about the character, even. But the thing that happens is he becomes very successful, very, very busy. Uh, they can't really find time for each other. They end up having a huge argument over dinner one night when he flies in. Um, and she's like, I, I don't know, uh, what the plan is here. And he's like, well, you can like come with me. You can come on tour and you can rehearse there. She's like, I don't really think that's a good idea. He's like, well, like, I don't know. How long are you going to be doing this? He's like, what do you mean? Well, how, how much longer do you have left on this tour? He's like, well, I mean, a few more years for this album, come back, record another album and then go on tour with that. I'm like, that's kind of, that's what this is. That's what being in a band is. Like, that's what you do. She's like, oh, I just didn't think that you, like, cared about this. He's like, yeah, he interrupts her, actually. Like, uh, I don't think you, what, we're going to be successful? He's like, no, I just didn't think you cared about this, that's all. He's very, uh, how was the word, projecting. Yes, very much His own so, opinion. For sure. And this very obviously makes a giant rift between the two of them because there's just a very clear thing that's been throughout the whole movie of they come from very different worlds and they want very different things. And neither are very good at compromise. Yes. Both of them want all or nothing is basically what it is. And so when it comes to both of them wanting all or nothing, they both do that, <laughs> which yeah. means very selfish behavior. So he gets stuck at a photo shoot for his uh, band that he doesn't even like being in, but is very successful, uh, making him the money. That's his job. And she goes to do her one woman show. And like you said, it doesn't show the show. It just shows the aftermath. And there's not very many people in the crowd. You see her friends in there from the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. which I think is actually a really nice touch. Yeah. Um, they're supportive. Yeah. Um, and then like one person, she's like, and that's it. And you see a reserved sign seat where Sebastian is supposed to be sitting. And I don't remember it concentrating on that seat at all. No. Which I think is good. That's actually really. Yeah. I didn't even notice It's a very that. like, it's just a shot of the entire seating area. Yeah. In fact, like. You can't really make out anyone other than the friends and I think her parents, if you look harder. I don't know if her parents are there, actually. Maybe it was just old people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was yeah. an older couple there. Like, I, I honestly thought it was her parents, too, but you don't really see her parents. Like, you see far away shots for her yeah. parents, and that's about it. Yeah, very nondescript. I just yeah. thought, because, you know, that sounds... Because apparently they're driving distance. I feel like her parents would have drove up for that. It's Yeah, it's very yeah. possible, yeah. But that's not a part of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the point is, you see, like, one seat with a sign there, and it's very clearly supposed to be sebastian's seat and he's not there he shows up after the show is done and he's like how was it just tell me how it was how do people like it 
Well, he didn't ask if people liked it because he never, because his thing was he said he never cared. He just asked, how was it? How did it go? Right. Yeah, you're right. And she's like, we're done. This is done. He's like, what do you mean? Like this. And she's like, this, this isn't working. We're done. And she says that she's done with trying to be an actor or actress rather. And she wants to, um, wants to go home. And you're like, this is home. You're like, not this home, not anymore. And so she leaves, goes back to live with her parents. And seemingly he quits like the band. Maybe not right now, maybe later. I think, but. I think he might eventually. I think he kind of just kind it, of sat out for the most part. Yeah. Because yeah. they kind of seem to be in like a little bit of the between period. Yeah, that's true. Um, but um, it does kind of show that like during that photo shoot, you can tell that he's done with this band. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was done before he even started. If we're well, honest. yeah, that's true. But like, <laughs> it was. It, it felt almost like a final straw with like that photographer in his face. Like, come on, bite your lip. Like, yeah, yeah. Bring your sunglasses down yeah. a little bit. Now look at me while you're biting your lip with sunglasses down. Yeah, yeah. That's great, right there. Yeah. But I think it was. I thought it was sort of interesting how um, he was very supportive of her and her dream for the most part. But and she was also supportive of his dream, but like she um thought that maybe it wasn't gonna take as long as it was taking. So she got like impatient or something, and that's why she left, because you know, this is his dream to buy this club. And he eventually eventually does, like, you know, by earning money from, you know, the bands. And she sort of just gives up on hers, but he's still supportive of, of her and her dream because, you know, he's like, you're going to do it. You're going to make it. And, you know, yeah. and he's the reason why she does eventually. So I don't know. So I thought that was sort of interesting sort of thing. I, yeah. I agree. It shows that, like, just because they didn't make it as a couple doesn't mean they don't care. Yeah. They just don't work in that particular way which i think is actually a really important thing for this movie to say because you can have all the feelings for somebody in the world you can love them dearly but it doesn't make a relationship that doesn't yeah. make a friendship that doesn't make a family like that caring about somebody loving somebody doesn't make it that thing there has to there has to be that that little extra piece um love isn't enough <laughs> that is what yeah and i think and i think yeah the movie sort of made the point for itself because like it was very lovey-dovey in the beginning and then it didn't work out because you know that's just not how life works yeah sometimes, they, so. they just weren't good for one <laughs> another ultimately yeah well that's one thing yeah. i was gonna say is i i feel like it did very well of uh two people who had a dream but in order for that dream to work they couldn't be together is what i took from it yeah yeah i don't know if i necessarily agree because i think it more was them themselves couldn't work because i don't think I think even if they were just people, I still don't think the relationship would have actually worked out in the end because I think they themselves were too negative with one another because they're both, honestly, they both had a lot of self-conscious issues where they just ended up projecting way too much on the other one, which is not a healthy relationship. I think that was more what it is. So I don't think it's necessarily they had to give up their relationship to pursue their dreams i think they just had to give up the relationship because it wasn't healthy right i think yeah i think you see parts of what he is saying at that end scene which yeah. I, I don't want to hint at quite yet i want to yeah when we go in, all reason, in on that i want to go all in yeah on but that. 
the reason I say that though too is because it wasn't until after they broke up that they concentrated on what they want, like what their dreams were, and they didn't accomplish it until they're actually apart or away from each other. So it's one of those like they were in love and like towards the beginning they worked, like their relationship did work out. But it's whenever they started following their dreams and being successful in what they were doing and got too caught up in that that they stopped. Like that's when they started to argue, and that's whenever things stopped working and that's whenever they finally broke up is because they realized like i can't chase this and be with you at the same time yeah that's how i took it at least i i feel like they could have but um maybe they weren't patient enough with each other and that too yeah i think you see and that's fine though that's fine like sometimes things just don't work yeah Yeah, i think you see a version that could have worked later and we'll we'll talk about that yeah Yeah, we will talk about that so he's laying in bed one day sometime after this breakup um mia goes and lives with her parents again and he's just sort of laying in bed and he gets a call and you're like no no she's not here i don't know when i'm gonna talk to her again um well actually i love how that went because she's like well if you ever well if, when you talk to her again i won't yeah yeah <laughs> like, it's just such, a, it's such a, like a witty thing that really yeah um this movie is also i this movie is very funny. extremely funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with the two leads. Honestly, yeah. they're I, they're extremely their comedic timing is impeccable. Yeah, I think a lot of it honestly has to do with just like the rawness of a lot of jokes because it feels like jokes you say in a lot of these actual situations. Right. It never yeah. feels like it doesn't feel like the characters are spouting one liners like in a Marvel movie. It feels like these are real people and they'll make dumb jokes. Like I think you see that a lot when the two are together and still cracking like stupid like like spouse jokes yeah i don't really know how else to put it but no no i, I totally know what you mean though. yeah um yeah it says the married man i guess <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i have so many dumb spouse jokes um so yeah she says that she was at the play last night or the whatever whenever, whenever that was and she wants to give me an audition so he drives out and off of the very little bit of information that he knows about where her parents live, actually finds her. Um, you learn because it's uh, she said that she lives in this one city in front of the library. Yeah. And so he just parks out in front of a library. <laughs> I wonder how many libraries he had to park out in front of and do this. I and think just she honks. might have said the name. Maybe, yeah. Although it was pretty late when he got there. I was wondering if you're right. And he just like, yeah. <laughs> had to do that. To every single library and started honking the horns. <laughs> just, like, just got like the shit beat out of it. It would have been great if he like, showed up in like, a black eye. Like, awesome. Yeah, I guess, I guess the wrong library. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Um... So yeah, he uh, goes there, honks the horn like he always did to make her come outside. Um, He's an asshole. Yes. Um, and comes out and he explains that she has this big audition. And she's like, no, I give up. And he's like, no, you're not giving up on this. Like, you're going to make it. You're not giving up on this. I'll be here at 6 in the morning. Your audition's at 5. I'm going to pick you up. Either you're going to be waiting outside or you're not. And he drives off. <laughs> and then the next morning comes, and you see him come, and he, like, drives in. He, like, waits outside for, like, 10 seconds. He's about to drive away, and this is so good. Um, he, like, she's driving away, and she, like, comes up with coffee. And you, like, see him, like, slam the brakes. And she's like, oh, you're here. Yeah, I brought coffee. Cool. Great. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> I didn't really love that too, just because like you can tell like he's frustrated because you hear him rev up his engine like he's gonna peel his tires out because he's just like that angry driveway thing. 
but she grabs the door handle as soon as he goes to drive away and then stops instantly. Wait, wait. Yeah. And so he just like, he really wants to be angry, but everything worked out the way that he wanted to. So he has to like go from a hundred to zero as fast as possible. Yeah. It's like, you're just like, that's great. (laughs) Yeah. I really like that part. And then she goes to her audition and it's, it's what I think probably everybody dreams of an audition, right? Like, if anybody's had a dream of, like, doing an audition or something, it's like, the dream audition, like, we want to base this around you. This is your story. You just do the thing that you're most comfortable with and best at. Then you just start floating in space as you audition. Actually, very dreamlike. You're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and they're like, it's going to be in Paris. We're going to shoot. We're going to do uh, four months of pre-production, three months of production in Paris on spot. Um, just tell us a story, whatever you want. Start whenever you're ready. And she goes into a story about her aunt and alcoholism and like losing her aunt and stuff like that. Um, it's an incredibly, incredibly touching moment in the yeah. movie. Also, it is one of the moments that you're like, oh, right, it's a musical. Yeah. Yes, and I think that that <laughs> is purposeful. I don't know for a fact because I didn't say in any of the things yeah. I watched, but it does seem extremely personal or not uh, personal. Well, well, personal, yes, yeah. maybe, but um, purposeful, yeah. Because it is so long between the last music piece and this. And when this comes up, you're like, oh, shit. And then it just fucking hits into your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's done so well. Um, and I, so much to the Soto, I think it's there must have been like, we need at least 30 minutes before the next piece. Because that next piece, I know what I want it to be. And it has to hit really hard. Yeah. Because like right before that is the uh, redux of the stars song which is yeah that's quite a while it's quite a while between those mm-hmm. um and it just hits so good and you don't know if she nailed it or not you, even in the end you don't really know if she nailed it honestly we're being completely honest yeah. here um and it's just mia and sebastian sitting on a bench and a bench from the start of the movie what yeah and they're talking about like she doesn't know if she like did well He's like, no, no, you got it. And she's like, I might not. He's like, I, I know, I know that's possible, but you did it. And then she's like, what is, what is this? Like, yeah, what are, are we? we? Where are we? Um, um, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. Because if you get this, then you're going to be gone in Paris. And uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. And then they talk about the view. And you're like, no, it's a terrible, terrible view. And it shows you the view. And it's fucking awful. And it's really good. Just, it's just a cloudless yeah. blue sky. <laughs> yeah. And mentions how they never been here in the day, and it's just a completely different thing than what you saw in the beginning of the movie, which in my mind definitely doesn't just mean like the place being in the day. Like everything was very different when you look at it in the light, right? Right. Like when you actually take a a, a magnifying glass and actually stare at it and look at it, and you're able to see everything. Everything always looks much more different. Um, I think that that's more talking about like the relationship. Yeah, I was gonna say. And then it throughout the whole movie, it's been cut into. The first act, second act, and third act in the epilogue are all cut into seasons. Um, starts with winter, goes to um, spring, then summer, then back to winter. Um, and then when it does with the winter thing again in this one, five years later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you see Mia get out of her car and go and order coffee in the coffee shop that she used to work at. And there's a scene in the movie where she's working at the coffee shop and some probably famous lady comes in and they're like, hey, can I get and they're like, yeah, here it is. It's already ready for you. And they're like, on the house. Like, no, no, I want to pay. Pays, puts yeah, the tip in, a, walks away. It's a repeat of what happens at the start of the movie. Yes. It is she's on the other end. Yes. Yeah. Uh it's almost a leitmotif. 
almost. <laughs> um, and you get to see that she like made it. Maybe not right then in that audition, but she made it at yeah, some she's point. Someone. Yes. You see her go home, like kick the heels off, and another man greets her, which isn't Sebastian. I was gonna ask: Is this not this supposed to be the same guy as at the start, Greg or whatever? No, no. this is a different guy. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> it's a totally different dude. Yeah, um, same type of guy, but different guy. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I, I mean, it was five years later. I didn't know if like he had a growth spurt or something. Oh. <laughs> basically, <laughs> uh, no, different guy. Okay, um, and you see that they have a kid together, and they're super, super happy. Um, which I think the movie does this really great thing of like, she's really happy, but it feels kind of empty. Because there's not, like, super happy music. It's not, like, supposed to be this joyful thing. It's just like, oh, this is it's life. what it is. Yeah. Um, and they have some sort of thing they're going to that night. So you see them doing that, uh, like, getting ready. And it shows a little bit of Sebastian, like, playing a piano at a club. And then you see that, like, oh, he bought his club. Yeah. Uh, he It's super fucking stylish looking. It looks fucking dope, actually. I would love to go to that club. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it's a expensive. Yes, it would be. And I don't think they serve chicken on a stick anymore. I, I, I think you're right. <laughs> um, yeah, because there's also this other thing, which yeah. I think we should bring up, is that he, the the nightclub, the jazz club that he wants to open up, he w- is very adamant through the whole movie. He wants to call it Chicken on a Stick because this old jazz player, that's how he got his name, is that he literally liked chicken and blah, blah, blah. I don't know much about the jazz player, so I can't really recite it. Um, and through the whole thing, um, he is like, you should just call it Sebs instead of the thing you want to call it, because the thing you want to call it. Yeah, it's a bad name. I would never go to a club called Chicken on a Stick. Yeah, <laughs> but and you might go to one called Sebs. Listen, I would go to a fast food called Chicken on a Stick. I would not go to a club named that. I, I don't would know fucking... if I'd go to a club anyways, but especially not one named Chicken on a Stick. <laughs> I would murder a food truck that had the name Chicken on a Stick. <laughs> <laughs> like just, the best is if they just give you like a rotisserie chicken on a kebab. That would be so good, though. <laughs> like, that would be, be great. Cool. How do I eat this? <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's what we mean. Like, it's not a good day because it kind of signifies not very classy. Yeah, it doesn't sound upper class is the thing. Um, so there's that whole argument they have through the whole thing of what he's going to name it. Right, because that's, again, his insecurity is he takes that argument as she doesn't want him to be successful. Right. Rather than, this isn't a good name, maybe you should think about other options, basically. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, he's too head-assery. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the... Well, I, I, yeah, team. I was going to say, I think it's, yeah, it just shows his stubbornness of, like, yeah. it has to be this exactly, and anything else is not enough. Yeah, yeah, because that that goes back into looking back on the past and worshiping that, or um, being able to develop yourself and having respect for the past, but going into the future still, right? I think is what a lot of this movie is. Even at its very core, that's what this movie really is about, even just as a musical, which, again, so good. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, Mia and her husband are supposed to go to this event, but traffic is fucking terrible because L.A., she's like, I don't miss this at all. Do you want to just turn off here and go get dinner? They clearly, they go get dinner. <laughs> you asked me for a second. I was like, oh, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> e, do you want to stop this like, right now and just go like get some pizza? Straight at me. She said, I was like, what? What? <laughs> 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 I was like, I, I mean, I could go for a burger. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mia tells her husband, hey, do you want to turn off here and just go get dinner? So they go get dinner and they're going back to their car. And the husband hears this music, and he's like attracted to it. He goes to it, and like, oh, we want to go in for a second. And so 
they both walk in and it's this jazz music. And then walk in and you see a sign and it says Sebs. Exactly the design that she had pitched to him in the earlier in the movie. It's our drafting of copyright law. <laughs> Get some lawyers. Um, and you kind of uh, see this, not quite shock, but like an, oh, right, this huge part of my life that kind of uh, before everything that I am now. Um, and you kind of see, and I think this goes towards how good of an actor Emma Stone is. Because you kind of see all these emotions kind of flooding her face all at once. I think, like, that's honestly such a perfect encapsulation. Because I feel like everyone's had that thought before, like, unearthing these old deep memories, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And even, like, because it's a kind of sad fact, but even stuff that impacted you a lot sometimes gets lost. Mm-hmm. And For I sure. think this movie kind of really encapsulated that at that point. Yeah. And to go in, there's a jazz band playing, and they go and get a table, and then Sebastian walks on stage, and he introduces the band, and then he sees Mia sitting in the crowd, and he, welcome to Sebs, goes down and plays um, Beautiful Stars. And that leads into this very classical, but very wishful dream sequence, which a lot of like old school musicals had, actually. Uh, there was this very weird time in like the 50s, 60s to where this very kind of surrealist viewpoint on like what ifs or like maybe this is what happens. Musicals took on and for some reason these big budget studios were like, cool, we're going to let this happen, I guess. But like there was a bunch of musicals that ended with like these giant like weird dreamy sequences and that's just how it ended. Okay, so I was going because I don't, I'm not like particularly fond of this point and I think it might just be some of I don't have like the appreciation because of what it's referencing a bit then maybe yeah um but i think the other thing that it does is it takes that classic thing and it puts a new twist on it by having it be a literal dream sequence um of like what if this is what happened in our love story in our lives and it kind of feels almost like me and sebastian dreaming together as he performs this song and it plays through all the music of the movie and light motifs for everything yes. and it's so good because it uh in a way that, like I said, only music is able to do. It makes you feel all these things that you felt through the whole movie, and it kind of adds the beautiful stars underneath it. And beautiful stars in itself, that whole song, is so hopeful and so sad at the same time. Um, it kind of adds this sadness and hope to all of it anyway, which is so good because that's kind of what the thing is, is that like this is what could have been, but it isn't, so that's reality, right? And so you see like this what-ifs of what if when she was going to go and be like, hey, I heard you playing piano what if they kissed and fell madly in love right then yeah that would be. and weird. what if every single turn went correct in their lives like what if she was supportive of him and he was incredibly supportive of her and instead of him signing the deal and being miserable like he never wanted to be if he just was able to toss his pride to the side and say like i'm just gonna keep doing this thing and you keep doing your thing and we'll be happy together we don't need to be successful to be happy um and just kept supporting each other and then it just turned out that they became successful in their own ways like her one woman show, what if it just had that support from him? And standing ovation, standing yeah. ovation, and a huge crowd, and that's what boosted her on to go and be famous in Paris and get that job. Um, which is kind of what leads me to believe she didn't actually get that Paris job, that Paris I think that's gig. Fair. I don't know. Like, I guess the weird part to me is like it's this weird dream sequence with these like rose-colored glasses over it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And mm-hmm. I get again. It's I guess some of it's just. Say- go ahead, Tim. 
I think I think that's like very old school anyway, because a lot of a lot of movies, a lot of old movies back then, you know, ended up you know with a happy ending, and very rarely anything sad, I guess. Yeah. Or not sad, just not what you expect. Yeah. I get. And also, I think happy endings were a lot more palatable back then as well, which reminds me of a song. This is a bit off the off <laughs> the path here but um a song called gloomy sunday um is actually a cover that billy holiday did um it's a very sad song it's the original is called like the hungarian suicide song there's a whole thing about it you can probably look oh, it yeah. up but it's supposed it's like a really sad song about just like losing a loved one and she had released it just like that. That's how it ended, you know. But people didn't like like it. They thought it was too sad, so she had to end an add an ending that was like dreaming. I was only dreaming, blah blah, and it was a happy <laughs> ending. So it was more palatable that way, and I kind of appreciate that this movie didn't end like that. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't end palatable because in this whole dream sequence, you see. How it's like all the what ifs and like I we went to Paris and you just open a jazz club there because they have great jazz in Paris, like you said, right? Yeah. And you yeah, got super successful. Was... And then what if we just got married and we had this kid and and then instead and it was of a boy instead of a girl. Yeah. And then <laughs> instead of me coming here with my husband, you were my husband and we saw this other guy here playing jazz, but like me and you love jazz so much this makes us closer. Um instead of in reality, it's this weird past thing of like that's the what if. Like that's the the big dream of like, what if love was enough? What if we just supported each other and it all worked out in the way, in in the perfect way somehow? This is what our lives could have been, but it's not. And husband's like, wow, that was a great song. You want to stay for another? Like, no. And so they walk out, and Mia and Sebastian just kind of share this look as they go separate ways, and kind of both of them seeing like maybe it could have been that, but it ended up great anyway. Yeah, I guess it's just like again, like not knowing the context behind it, it just kind of confused me very a lot. That's fair. I mean, I guess with the context of it is uh, the last conversation that they have together is after that audition, at least that it shows on screen, is after that audition, and they kind of have that realization that's not going to work between them, and they both tell each other, like, I'm always going to love you, even yeah. though this is never going to work out, and it's that same moment that they have, like, where they, they still love each other, but they know it can never be, so they have to walk away from each other. Right, and I think, I, again, that's one of those things of, like, you can have such an impactful experience in in your life from somebody else and walk away and appreciate what happened or appreciate what was or like what impact that person had in your life and realize that that's not what your life is supposed to be still, right? Yeah. And I think everybody kind of has that in one way or another at some point, like whether it's like a young friendship or a lover or like a family member or something like that. Like it's something that you... Like, it taught you something, or it yeah. brought you something into your life that you were able to to take away, but realize you can't keep that with you. And there's always going to be some sort of appreciation for that person, right? Because they did teach you something. You did learn something there, probably, right? But that can't be what your life is. It's a sad thing to think about, but, like, you grow, sometimes you grow up and you just don't stay friends with people, and that's just a part of life. But yeah. it, it doesn't replace the moments that you guys shared together it just means that you ultimately just drifted away exactly and i and think that this whole thing just says that so beautifully without saying one word 
which is so cool. There actually are quite a few scenes in this movie where not a single word is said, but a lot is said in those scenes still. Yeah. yeah. The uh, music speaks. Yeah. yeah. The music and the visuals. Yeah. And the visuals speak for themselves. Yeah. 100%. And that's how the movie ends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it ends with, yeah, it kind of, it's one of those, it's a sad ending, but it's a more realistic ending, which is why I said this movie is very bombastic, but very grounded at the same time. I, guess, I wouldn't even call it sad. Yeah, I was guess. I guess traditionally speaking, it's not the happy ending, but I don't think yeah. it's sad. I well, think it's a very. It's I, realistic. I think at worst, I think I would call it melancholy. Not not a not a sad ending, but just not the happy ending that the movie was pushing right. towards. Yeah, that you kind of sort of um, wanted maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I think let's go into final thoughts here. Um, let's start with Robbie. So once again. Did really like the movie. Uh, I did kind of like how, like I said, it was kind of conflicting of it being bombastic, but very grounded at the same time. And kind of having like a lot of moments that there's not really a lot going on, but like, and then a lot of scenes where but there's just a bunch going on at the same time. And like, it's very highs, or it's very roller coaster, very highs and very lows and stuff like that. But it works towards the movie to make it better in a way. And the music is very well done. The color palette is amazing for this movie. I feel like the actors did a very good job on it, even though, like you said, pretty much it's just uh, Sebastian and Mia, and that's pretty much the only people characters. Everyone else is just kind of floating in the background. Pretty much, yeah. But like I said, it is in its own way. Like, it's not the fairy tale ending, but it's not exactly sad at the same time, but it makes it very realistic in that way. Or, I guess, very realistic in the way a musical can be realistic, but it kind of also (laughs) does show, like, you know, kind of being stuck in that past and kind of looking forward towards the future in a way like it's all very well done but still not my favorite musical <laughs> but it's still very well done i i give this rating a lot but i'd say i'd give it like an eight out of ten it was very it was an enjoyable movie like i i, I liked how it how dare you like movies robbie how dare you i know <laughs> everybody hates this it. is the <laughs> internet you're supposed to dislike everything <laughs> I and mean, i can nitpick all the things i didn't like but <laughs> um i'll go here real quick um why because you're gonna have to defend me <laughs> Defend against you. No, he's going to defend me this time. <laughs> against me. Yeah, he has to defend against Sam, so you're going after Dryer. Um, uh, I th- again, I think even down to the very core of what this movie is, because it is an homage to those classic old 50s, 60s musicals, but it's still very modern in a lot of how it it's composed musically and um the cinematography even i think are classic while still being extremely modern and even pushing a lot of things forward i think that there's a lot of risks taken with the cinematography in this that like so clearly could have like sunk in the movie if it didn't pay off but i think it did um like with a lot of those dream sequences and stuff like that like having all those big one shots in it and having like these big sweeping things for things that are ultimately very small in scope in the movie. And just how that goes back to even how Sebastian thinks about the world and like the questions it's trying to show me and Sebastian about old school and new school and the future and how even just the music that you hear in it is linked into that as well. Like the whole movie is about respecting the past but moving forward. Um, even the little part at the end is respecting the past and like appreciating what it did for you and moving forward. That whole theme is through the entire movie and it's woven through everything in a way that like 
I think it would be hard to notice if you weren't really thinking about it. Like if you just watch this movie and walk away, I think it would be really difficult to pinpoint to like pin that point down. But it really is interwoven with everything in such an amazing, beautiful way that you can get that from any one piece. And one informs the other as well. It's it's really great. I absolutely do really appreciate this movie on the second viewing way, 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 way more than I did on the first. When I first saw this in 2016, I was actually very shocked why I even got a nod for all of the like awards for Best Picture and stuff like that. Because again, I think it is in hindsight thinking about it um, and just having watched it in theater that one time and just kind of moving on with my life, being like, yeah, it was a good movie, but like Best Picture, oof. But, like really going deep into it and thinking about it more critically, it kind of does deserve that nod, if not the win in my mind, because the winner, who actually was the winner, I actually don't like that movie very Moonlight's much. Moonlight's or whatever. Moonlight. Um, Is that the one with like the purple guy? You know, oh. The cover's purple. Yeah. And that's what you mean. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly do appreciate this movie way more. Um, high recommendations, and I'm... I'm I'm really interested to get it in UHD because I think that'll be that'll look and sound even better. Um, nine out of ten, really, really do love this movie way more than I did the first time I saw it. Let's go with Sam on this one. After that, all right. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's <was> good. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really like I I can't say more about it really other than. Yeah, I liked it. It's all right. It I I still don't know if I could call it a musical. It technically is, but like sort of is it's weird. Like the first half is, like the second half isn't as much of a of a musical, but um yeah. Also in my headcanon, that's what you call it, headcanon. Um when you shop this your head, movie yeah. is in the same world as uh, Whiplash because the guy that plays the teacher <laughs> is in this movie and he fires Ryan Gosling for not being on his tempo. <laughs> there is way too little abuse for this to be in the same universe. <laughs> I don't know. I accept uh, that canon. <laughs> I like the idea right? of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think I probably, I guess looking at it and discussing it a bit more, um, after watching it and like, of course I went into it thinking, God, it's going to be a musical. It's going to be at at first it was very much like, Oh, it's going to be a very lovey dovey musical. It's going to be happy endings. Everything's going to be good and right. And like, it wasn't. (laughs) <laughs> it was just like I thought it was going to be more fairy tale like but it ended up being more real I guess but also not as cynical as I would have liked <laughs> how, how far did you want it to go honest, did you want to like blue valentine honest, level of cynical <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, need, it needed that <laughs> it needed that huge contrast of happy fucking Smiley, goddamn. They needed another song where they're signing divorce papers. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) And one of them is an alcoholic, and come on, I just needed that. (laughs) Because of that, it doesn't get a high rating. (laughs) Oh, okay. Four out of ten, not Uh, enough alcoholism. Actually, I'd probably give it like an eight. 
Yeah, like an eight. You're, that's a pretty. That's a I know. Very good I think I give every single thing an eight too. <laughs> I did not expect an eight. I'm gonna say that. I thought it was good, and like I said in the beginning, like I thought it was extremely beautiful. Just the color palettes, it just I, it was so saturated and just uh, eye popping. Is that the right word? Eye popping. Yeah, eye catching. Yeah. Eye popping. Sure. <laughs> Sounds kind of gruesome, but... <laughs> oh, you're right so much, it just dried out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but a little more cynicism, cynicism would have been good in my opinion, but it was still a good movie. So, eight. All right. E, what What are your final thoughts? A four out of ten, goddamn. <laughs> uh, it, it's a very good movie. Like, I wasn't sure how much I would enjoy it going in, especially... With you being like, oh, he's going to hate this movie with his entire fabric of being. I was certain. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's very good. I think there's a lot of uh, nuance to this movie that really can keep me going. And I don't think, I think a lot of it is like, I didn't, I wasn't like too big during the anti-love month because I think it was just too much of a downer a lot of the times. Where this movie is like kind of a not positive ending, but it never feels like down. Like I don't feel like I'm like, uh man. It's not there to hurt uh, you. Yeah, it does it's it's <laughs> like, no, sometimes life comes at you like this and you don't get the bullshit Hollywood endings, even in Hollywood. Yeah. Especially in Hollywood, probably actually <laughs> thinking about it. But yeah, it's like a very positive movie. Honestly, my biggest issues with it are just personal things. Just like love grosses me out. Get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> Like I don't I, just, I like I just I don't like the honeymoon period, but that's because that's that's just grosses me out. I don't that's not really the movie's fault that I'm weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like very enjoyable. Like honestly, again, I said it at the start, but you honestly can watch this just for the visuals and music alone. Like they're honestly outstanding, especially in comparison of like around that time, like twenty sixteen, what even looked like that at the time? Nothing. Kind yeah. of the point, <laughs> especially live action. Like I, I harp on live action a lot, but a lot of it is like they live action often purposely mutes the color palette a lot, and like that's a big reason I don't like a lot of looking at a lot of Disney remakes. Is, is that why you didn't like John Wick? Yep, because it has a very muted color. <laughs> John Wick should have worn. What? No, it does suit. not. <laughs> also, yeah, there was very much a nightclub what? with it's like fifty blue. million colors. The movie is blue. <laughs> well. It's not like, like, it's the use of color is. Try <laughs> is flipping me off right now. Just wanted like, everyone to know. It has a very important use of color that I think Hollywood doesn't often really use unless it's for specifically animation. Because I think, I think some of it is Hollywood's just scared to look childish and that's stupid, but whatever. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Because so like, yeah, usually the bright and colorful movies are the more whimsical ones. Yeah, because like you're no, you're only allowed to use color if it's a a cartoon or a comedy. That's usually the rule of thumb to go for. Even like superheroes suffer for that for a long time, where you got them in stupid paintball gear. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. And um, just like it being able to use that is amazing because it really makes the movie stick out to you, like. You can you remember scenes because they give you a color and that color and colors are associated with feelings. 
it tells you a million things without saying a single word word a lot of times and that's so amazing and again my gripes are just personal things i'm like i'm giving it a seven but that's honestly a really good seven all right whatever that means <laughs> like a very a very it's a strong, c but it's a c plus yeah, a very strong seven <laughs> all right uh well e hi if people want to get a hold of us where can they do that we have a link tree that lets you get to all of our social medias and listening medias. <laughs> uh, that is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash L-O-I-P. Yeah. We also just have an email if you want to just email us for whatever reason. That is the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Send us your lands. Okay. Yeah. Send, us your, send, us, send us your color palettes. Send us, send us your favorite color palette. Yeah, there you go. Is it the Mega Man NES one? I don't know. Um. Well, uh, thank you, E, Robbie, and Sam for coming on. Yeah. It was a good movie. I'm glad I chose it as one of their movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Robbie, take us out of here. So, remember, we're still in a pandemic. We're going out and about. Make sure to stay six feet apart. Wear a mask. Make sure to wash your hands for at least 20 seconds. And if not, make sure to stay home, stay alone, stay alive. And whether this is the very first time you've heard one of our episodes or you've been with us since the very beginning, thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you guys. Hope you enjoyed this one. More coming for you next week, every Thursday at 8 o'clock, new episodes. And then we have our live shows every Saturday night at... 10 p.m. Very late These show. All Mountain Standard Time. Mountain Standard Time. Yes. Yeah. United <laughs> States. Very important to say that. I suppose. Is there another Mountain Standard Time? <laughs> uh, probably. Actually, I think there is. Actually, <laughs> maybe Greenwich Mountain Standard Time. Maybe that's real. I don't know. Sandwich Mountain Standard Time. <laughs> if you know the answer, please email us. At the last one's in podcast <laughs> Um. Hope you guys have a great week. Talk to you later. Bye. Later. See you. Bye. Also, go get vaccinated if you can. Wash sheets when they get dirty. You don't I have mean, to what if they're also paint. ripped? You can still wash it. You could still wash them. <laughs> you look confused. Do I need to read your notes? Your I right? know what my notes say, but I don't know what they were supposed to say. They're symbols on the screen. <laughs> you just wrote like little tiny white lights amongst the black void. What does it mean? Okay, I, th- I know what it's supposed to say. <laughs> <laughs> I figured it out. It's supposed to say, but knew that nobody would, fun- would fund La La Land from a newbie director. What did you write? What it says is, but nobody would find La La Land from a boobies director. <laughs> <laughs> Have you slept at all this week? A little bit. I got all this sleeping. <laughs> Damn you, aerospace technology. And we'll probably all just okay. be cut out of the podcast anyway, so we can say whatever so guys, we want. You guys are in the same area as him. Is he doing all right? Yeah, I think he just needs some coffee. I think he just needs some coffee. Like the amount of tired I usually am is the amount of tired that he's at, at right now. I know. How dare seen. you? Good. Okay. All right, here we go.